Hey guys, welcome to our SoulFam podcast, where I interview spaceholders from all over the world. I'm your host, my name is Carolina, and I'm the Manifestation Mentor. Today on the show, we have Chelsea Luther, the life and self-worth coach. Welcome to the show, Chelsea. How are you doing? I'm great. Happy to be here. I'm really happy that you're here as well. And we're going to talk about interesting topics because we're going to touch upon sobriety and self-worth and manifestation all at once. So it's uh, really, really interesting. And I would love to start with this topic of drinking versus not drinking alcohol, because I know that this is something that we have in common. And uh, I'm really glad that we're actually touching upon it because I feel like many people don't even have awareness of how big of a shift it can be if you stop drinking alcohol. So I would love to start by you sharing your story and your perspective on it. Like, why did you stop? When did you stop? What caused you to, to do it? And then what effects on your life did it have? Yeah. Uh, So my journey with looking at my relationship with alcohol is very connected to my business. So back in March of 2021, I was living in Costa Rica and it was the first time I acquired a full book of clients. So I was ramping up my business. I was living in Costa Rica and I was kind of drinking a lot. And where did you And I noticed uh, Tamarindo. Tamarindo, okay. Yeah. Tamarindo is quite a party town, so I'm not surprised. There was like a yeah, lot of alcohol it was, everywhere. It, <laughs> I learned that. Um, and I I found that it just, it wasn't feeling good. My business ramping up in this relationship that I had with alcohol, they didn't seem to match. And over time, I started to look into what that relationship was. I did a lot of journaling. The next place I lived was Morocco. And in Morocco, I just spent, I really just spent two months, me and my journal, writing through my relationship with alcohol. And I learned that for me personally, the relationship that I wanted to have with myself didn't connect with alcohol. And I'm so grateful for my business because I'm not sure if I if I would be here if it wasn't for my business, even though I did make the decision for me. Uh, the business was really my catalyst. And so it took some time. I didn't jump right into sobriety. I did a couple stints here and there. I did 45 days off. And then I do, you know, the dry January, the sober October. And what I would find oh, sober is... Sober October, I love it. Oh, have you never heard that? Oh, that is such a thing in America right now, Um, which is awesome, right? It's great that these little sober stints are becoming trendy. That's amazing. My birthday is in October, so that's absolutely Ah, cool. Perfect. I love it. That's amazing. Um, Yeah, I found that for me, after those sober stints, I'd go straight back to the same relationship I had with alcohol. So I actually decided to do a hundred days in my mind. I'm like, maybe a hundred days will be enough to change my relationship with it. But my relationship with alcohol has been built over the last 15 years. And so halfway through my hundred days, I'm like, you know what? A hundred days isn't enough. I'm going to do a whole year. And a few months into my whole year, my sober year experiment, I was calling it. I realized this is how I want to live. This is the relationship that I want to build with myself. One that is clear. I feel more connected with my intuition, with spirit, with my business, with my friends, with my family, with myself. And so here I am almost eight months alcohol free and I don't ever plan on drinking again. 
Wow, that's amazing. I'm so proud of you that you got Thank to this you. in your journey for, for real. Like for me, it's been a, quite a long time if I can share my story about it as well. Because uh, I think last Please, time I drank here. was ar around like maybe six years ago. And uh, wow. when I drank last, maybe I was like 25 or so, yeah. And when I drank last, I drank two glasses of red wine. Like red wine is supposed to be healthy and it's all supposed to be good for you. <laughs> and I drank two little glasses. I puked the whole night. I had like dry wow. skin on my face, dry skin on my uh, body, like on my hands and everything. And I was just like, and then I heard my, my higher self speaking to me while I was just puking. My higher self was like, yeah, you chose this like this is the reality like you cho you choose something you choose the consequence i'm like okay i get it i should not drink all right like i get it now all right you don't have to just po freaking poke me like because yeah my soul can be sometimes like quite a, a quirky and a, you know just funny funny uh, voice in myself but yeah before that I, it's actually interesting what you mentioned because i started my spiritual development journey but then i still didn't really have as much connection to my body. So I, I ate meat, I was drinking alcohol and then slowly, slowly I quit eating meat. I quit, you know, eating fish and other like seafood and whatever cheese afterwards and everything. And then I, with alcohol, I actually met a person who was doing a lot of Qigong and meditation. And I started yeah. dating him and he didn't really like that I drink. And when I started my master thesis, like it was normal to just drink all the time because in yeah. Denmark where I studied, it's like Friday bar, you know, super cheap beer and just everyone gets drunk and everything. But my boyfriend at the time did not really approve it. I'm like, okay, let me drink like once a month. And then for like three or four months, I drank once a month. And then I went to New Year's Eve party. I'm like, okay, I'm going to drink a little bit on New Year's Eve. But then afterwards, after New Year's Eve, I'm like, I don't actually really need that anymore. Like, I'm just going to stop for however long. And then after that, I think I drank twice or three times, which the last time of that was like six years ago. So I've been not drinking for maybe like that much for like eight years. But before that, I was like the first person drunk. Like I was drinking something. Yeah, I'm from Poland. Okay. So let's, let's, right. uh, let's say this, like Polish people have blood sucked with the mother's milk. Like it's, it's alcohol in the blood, you know, like we are just, yeah, like we're just the nation of vodka. So that's just you are, that. You so are known to be vodka drinkers. We are known. <laughs> we are known. And I kid you not, sometimes I could have half a liter of vodka, maybe like 30% or like 25% vodka, and I could drink it by myself throughout the night. Like half a liter by myself. Like I just cannot even imagine having like one little shot right now because my body would just straight away say no. But at that time yeah. I drank a lot. But I figured that for me it was about escaping the stress. And like escaping all my emotions because part of my personality is just this mechanism where like I I pushed negative emotions, you know, under the carpet, I'm just going to brush it all under, I'm not going to look at it, I'm not going to deal with it. And for me, it was like also the way to connect with people, right? So I love connections. So for me, if I would not drink, then what would I do with my friends if all of them drink and so on? But then I realized when yeah. I shifted myself, like pretty much all my friends stopped drinking, like, you know, because mm. I stopped and they saw like, okay, we also don't need to do it. And at some point gradually, like all my friends stopped doing it as well because they saw how fulfilled I am and how good I feel in my body without it. And I actually discovered I can have way more fun being sober than I've ever had on alcohol, to be honest. And it's just been like Incredible. such a crazy journey. And I'm curious to know from your perspective, like how does it affect us specifically or how does it affect you because like you have a comparison before when you drank, you know, more and mm -hmm. now that you don't like, what's the biggest difference that you see? Like, how did it affect you to drink? For me, 
I, I think it's important to note that my last few years of drinking wasn't heavy drinking. It was what you'd consider very normal drinking for a late 20s, early 30s female living in New York City. And still, I found that even just after, like you said, one or two glasses of wine, I'd wake up the next morning and I wouldn't be hungover. I wouldn't be throwing up like like your experience, but I just kind of feel blah a little bit more tired, less creative, not as excited to do my job. And I love what I do. And I just knew I didn't want to live a life that felt meh. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. So stopping drinking, a few things I've noticed, I feel more alive. And I think it's important to note that alive is a full spectrum of emotions right? So I don't just mean I feel rainbows and butterflies, joy, gratitude, and happiness all the time. Like I'm feeling all of my feelings and I'm a feeler of feelings already. So it's been intense and so beautiful because I do believe that your capacity to hold space for the lows only allows more capacity to hold space for the highs. And I've noticed that I've, I've experienced some pretty intense emotions on both ends of the scale. And that is something that I'm so grateful for. And I feel more connected to myself because of that, more connected to my intuition and to spirit. And the other thing that I've noticed is just a heightened level of awareness. Again, I think it's important to circle back on the fact that I was not heavy drinking all the time. I would drink one or two nights a week, a couple glasses of wine. Every once in a while, I'd like go for it and party, but not often these last couple years of drinking. Um, and still stopping has created so much more awareness for me. And with awareness comes discomfort, right? Like, again, I'm, I'm not saying it's been all rainbows and butterflies. I feel like stopping drinking has allowed me to kind of fast track my healing, I feel like. Uh, I, what I explain to my clients is healing is, we have dormant energy in our bodies. And that dormant energy is past trauma, pain from what we saw, heard, and experienced in childhood, our emotional triggers, et cetera. It just kind of lies dormant here. And maybe we could skate through life without noticing it, but it's just this weight that keeps us weighted down. So when we step into this journey of healing, we have to pick up that weight. So when we go to pick up that dormant energy, it feels heavier at first because you're finally picking it up. And that's why so many people stay stuck because they start the healing journey. They pick up that weight and they're like, shit, this is heavy. I don't want to do this. This feels worse than I was feeling before. If you keep going, though, you get to move that stuck energy out and you heal it. And then your baseline level of happiness, of peace, of contentment, whatever it is, it raises because you are getting that energy out and you are feeling lighter. All of that to say, I think that getting sober has allowed me to pick up a lot of that weight, to see a lot of the weight that needed to get picked up so much clearer than I would have if I had kept drinking. Does that make sense? Totally, because I had the exact same experience. I feel like it just gave me clarity of mind. And of course, like people drink alcohol to suppress their negative emotions, to not think about them, to just go go numb rather than feeling them. So obviously, if you stop it, it's like as if you stopped any kind of addiction that covers up what is beneath it, right? Although it might be a mild addiction, it might be only 
few glasses of wine every week, but still, if you do it consistently, it's still an addiction. So when you stop, you can still have effects of that, right? And also, like I want to mention, um, about apart from what we already said, that to me, it feels like we have three levels of mind. So we have our subconscious mind that correlates to instinct, and then we have conscious level of mind that correlates to uh, intellect. And we have super conscious uh, level of mind that correlates to intuition. And to me, how I see alcohol is that alcohol numbs the conscious mind and we act based on our instinct, based on our subconscious mind. That's why people get aggressive. People get, you know, more like we are governed by the automatic program, by our instinct, how we would act um, just instinctively. Whereas I feel like I personally want to go into the direction of my super conscious, which I feel like alcohol actually blocks the access to our conscious and especially super conscious mind. So it just makes us operate on this base level of just like awareness enough to just do something. And of course, for some people, it can be an opener if they are like socially anxious or whatever, then if their conscious mind is like constantly in fear, then maybe it would be easier for them to talk to people. But the thing is that like, if you don't work through your social anxiety as, you, as you're sober, like you're always gonna have to keep drinking to talk to people. So is it actually worth it? Because like, if you, you know, if you still have the stuck energy, as you mentioned, inside of your body, it's not really gonna change much. And like, do you really want to be addicted to anything in life with resolving any of your issues? And it's a question personal for everyone. And some people can say, yes, of course. And I would say no, but it's only my personal perspective. Everyone can do whatever the heck they want, right? Like we just, we're all God, so God can express itself as 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 it wants um but to me it's been just such a intuition heightener this period of sobriety that i would not come back to drinking alcohol i mean maybe i would drink one more time in my life or two more times in my life just to see like how i would feel just out of research like you know out of curiosity <laughs> i would drink a shot of vodka and see how i feel but i would not come back to like the habit of drinking for sure and i even have resistance yeah. to like drinking a shot of vodka honestly i feel like my body is just like saying nope please do not give it to me um but still so what do you feel like do you resonate with what i said with these three levels of mind so much so you know what came up for me when you said it have you heard that phrase which i totally disagree with and i'll explain why have you heard that phrase a drunk mind is a sober heart no <laughs> What? No. Okay. I think it's an American thing, but it's pretty. Okay, um, it's BS. It, yes. And I think <laughs> that that I thought of that when you mentioned the three levels, because I think what a drunk mind is, it is tapping in, like you said, to that subconscious and that subconscious is not your true essence. It's not a sober heart. It's the wounded heart right? It's all of those limiting beliefs that we learned in childhood. It's all of our traumas. It's all of our past experiences that have shaped us in our pain. And so a drunk mind is not a sober heart. A drunk mind is our wounded childlike version of us, right? The most triggered version. And that's why I would imagine people act in such ways that they then feel shameful for when getting really drunk, right? And everyone's different. Sometimes it's anger, sometimes it's, you know, whatever it may be. But I think that that makes so much sense. When you are drunk, you're tapping into that wounded version of you, which is just like you said, those those levels, you're tapping into that subconscious part of you that, that wants 
that needs to be healed and not in a healthy way, right? Like we need to tap into that subconscious sober so we can get curious and conscious about what is down there so we can heal it. Being drunk is not the way to do that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm wondering if that makes sense. Like connecting it to that phrase, a drunk mind is a sober heart. And really like a drunk mind is a wounded childlike version of you. <laughs> I absolutely resonate with that. And, you know, even when you look at alcoholism, like this usually stems from trauma of feeling unsafe in relationships. So like that says something about it, right? Like we are drinking to cover up some emotions that we don't really want to look at. And so then we just, yeah, just act out, as you said, and it's very, very unconscious. And, you know, like, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the typology of personality called Enneagram, but I'm a very big fan of it. And the interesting thing about it is that Gurdjieff, who I don't know if I say his name correctly but uh, Gurdjieff who did the uh, typology who created the system he actually got people drunk when he researched the personality because then the traits of the subconscious mind were more vivid so like I, I've, wow. I've read this somewhere and I don't know if it's like 100% true because I didn't check like all the resources there but I feel in myself that it is true because like then you can really see that pattern, the automation in our subconscious mind and not the mm, conscious mind or super conscious for the sake when we are fully present. Because I don't perceive that people on alcohol are present, to be honest. Like I feel they are absent. Like I can't connect to them. Even now I avoid places where people get super drunk or even like a tiny bit drunk because I feel like I just cannot connect. Like there is just... I don't know. The consciousness is different and I don't judge them like they can do whatever they want. But I personally, not by not drinking and not wanting everyone to just step on me or just, you know, like push me or whatever, because these people have no awareness if they just will like slap me with something by accident or whatever. I just do not enjoy even being in places like that anymore. And uh, I'm curious about your perspective on it, because to me, it's like I just really can't. <laughs> Yeah, I get that. I, I'm kind of like relearning what my social like social life is like in a sense. And I feel like, you know, I have I still have many friends who drink and I find that I still enjoy like going to a bar and hanging in that scene, getting a mocktail or just a sparkling water as long as I'm around people that I feel deeply connected to already. Um I think that's what's important. You know, I wouldn't want to just go to a bar by myself or with a new acquaintance. If it's my people who I love and that I'm deeply connected to, then I can absolutely have a great time. However, I'm definitely the first person to leave. <laughs> that's definitely something I've noticed, which I don't mind, right? Like I call me Cinderella when the clock strikes midnight, I'm in bed. <laughs> that's interesting, right? And I feel like, if the people are going to stay, they're going to stay. If not, there's going to be misalignment. They're going to attract more people who maybe don't drink and you're going to find alignment there. It's always like a journey. The more we grow and the more unconscious stuff we discover, we shift our energy so much that people will come and go. And it's a very natural process, I think. Uh, you know, if you shift a habit like this, like in Poland, it's like, oh my God, you're Polish and you do not drink. It's like, you know, such a big thing. And I'm like, yeah, I just care about my health too much to put poison in my body like I'm sorry but I perceive it as poison like that's how my body reacts to it it may be for someone else it's not for me it is it feels like it so you know it's a pretty interesting thing and how do you feel that drinking alcohol is linked to self-worth and our self-concept yeah I do think it's different for everyone so I just I want to speak for myself 
I have noticed personally that I think a lot of self rebuilding your self-worth, I think so much of that is attached to relearning how to talk to yourself, right? It's so common for us to meet ourselves with judgment and shame and meet our emotions with judgment and shame. And I find that self-worth is about learning how to let go of that and meet yourself and meet your emotions with compassion. Even if your emotion is something you'd label negative, right? Can you meet that emotion with compassion instead of piling more negative emotion on top of it? right? Like I'm sad. And then I'm going to be mad at myself for being sad. And then I'm going to feel ashamed of myself for still being sad, et cetera, et cetera. So I believe that a lot of building self-worth is that, right? Learning how to let go of those extra layers of judgment and shame and simply meet your experience with compassion. And it is a lot easier for me to lean into that practice when I'm completely clear and alcohol-free. Does that make I sense? resonate with that. Yeah, totally. I resonate with that as well because like I feel like I just have more self-awareness when I do not drink. Like I can see things about myself clearer just simply. And I feel like it's also because I'm tapping into more of my higher mind, you know, and which for me at least alcohol blocked before in the past and I'm super super grateful to be alcohol free. And how do you feel like the alcohol drinking affects the manifestation powers because you know manifestation is my jam. So I would love to talk about manifestation versus alcohol. Yeah, for sure. So I'd, I'd actually be super curious to hear your take on it then. I think in its most basic terms for me kind of the same thing with self-worth, right? I feel clearer and it's easier for me to meet myself with compassion when I am alcohol-free. And so if it's easier for me to meet myself with compassion and build my self-worth, well, then my thoughts and my feelings and my way of being is higher frequency. It's a higher vibe, right? I feel stronger about myself. I feel stronger about my experience. My thoughts are clearer. My thoughts are more positive. I feel more capable and I feel in control of my emotions not to say that some emotions don't feel intense but I feel in control of my emotions and that's manifestation right like what's as within so without your thoughts your feelings your way of being is what affects your external reality so when I'm clear when I'm alcohol free my thoughts my feelings and my way of being is more compassionate, it's more clear, it's more capable, it's more trusting. Therefore, I'm able to consciously manifest at such a higher level. Does that make sense? Totally. And I feel the same, like, as you said, for me, it's about focus as well. Because awareness Mm. is one thing, but also focus. I feel like I can focus way more when I don't drink. It's just, I can stay present. I can meditate easier. I can visualize easier. I'm more tapped into my heart and my feelings and my myself, my true essence, not my programs, not my concepts, not my personality type, but actually who I am. And actually, I I just want to mention this one thing. When I drank, um, I told you I drank like once a month, then I quit. And then I drank maybe after half a year or so. And literally I was developing and meditating a lot at the time and, and so on. And then when I drank, I literally behaved as if I just went back like few, few years before. And I acted as if I was like 
17 years old or like 20 years old in the exact same patterns came up like the exact same personality just automation in my subconscious mind just came up and I was just like you know dancing on the tables because I was like a crazy party girl before like you know just going crazy dancing everywhere and I love dancing still but I and I love dancing on the tables still but like my point is I I just like went crazy and I was just so like constantly extroverted and constantly like fun and it felt just like not like a trap, but like just a program. It felt like it's going by itself and I don't have any awareness. I don't have any presence with it. It just goes as it was programmed in childhood to go. And I was, after that, I was like, oh my God, I literally acted like a six wing seven Enneagram type that evening, like completely. Whereas normally I don't act like the type anymore because I have so much self-awareness and, you know, manifestation powers and everything and tools and everything to not be a program, to actually be conscious in every present moment to um, act as I want to act rather than what my subconscious mind tells me to do. And at that point, I literally could not direct it. Like I could not direct myself. It was just like as if something was off and just the automation goes on. So for me, this awareness, the clarity, the focus, the vision, the ability to visualize as well, I feel. Because like I feel like alcohol affects the uh, pineal gland and the, our brain as well, because it's, it's, tox- it's a toxin. Like whether you want it or not, it's toxic for our body. So when we put it in our blood and in our brain, like it fogs it to me, at least. That's my perspective on it, right? So I can visualize better and be clearer with my focus and with my meditation when I don't drink, I found. So um, yeah, that's my take on it. (laughs) Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I definitely resonate with that. Yeah, and so I would love to just touch upon the topic of self-worth by itself because you're a self-worth coach and I talk a lot about self-worth as well. Also because I work with a lot of high achievers and these are usually people in Enneagram number three, which is an achiever type, which is the biggest uh, issue there is like, I'm not enough, like I'm not good enough, right? So Mm. it's an issue for everyone, I feel, but especially for high achievers, I found that this is a very core, uh, deep, deeply ingrained belief Um, and I'm curious to know what are your ways of working with self-worth apart from self-talk because you already mentioned self-talk just changing it from like negative self-talk to compassion and positive self-talk and do you have any other tools that you found the most effective and the quickest that were working for you and your clients in this area yeah um before we talk other tools, I do want to circle back on that practice of compassion, though, because mm-hmm. I believe that that is the most important tool that we have in order to transform our relationship with ourself and our self-worth. And the way that I practice that with my clients, it's it's first to recognize what it is that we already do. And that is pile pain on top of pain. Right. So if I am experiencing and I already kind of touched on this, so I'm going to repeat myself. But if I'm experiencing anger, right, this is the pain I'm experiencing, anger. And then I get mad at myself for being angry and I get embarrassed at myself for acting angry. And then I feel ashamed of myself for acting angry. And we're just piling pain on top of pain. And that builds a wall. And humans are amazing beings that are capable of so much, but I have never seen anyone walk through a wall. And I think that's why so many of us feel stuck because here's our wall, here's us, and the change is over here. And I'm like, why can't I get to the change? And it's because we're just hitting this wall over and over again. 
So in order to create change, we have to first dissolve that wall. And that is learning how to meet yourself and your experience and your emotions with compassion. So if you're feeling angry, instead of piling all that pain on top, just let yourself feel angry. Meet the anger with compassion. And the question that I have my clients ask themselves as a practice over and over again to cultivate compassion is, excuse me, what do I need to say to myself in this moment? Or you can say, what do I need to say to whatever emotion, right? What do I need to say to this anger? Or what do I need to say to myself in this moment in order to feel seen and loved and validated? And sit with that question and and actually answer it and take a moment to say those things to yourself. And that is the most, I believe, powerful tool to create a new relationship with yourself. And it's a practice, right? So it's being willing to sit in that practice time and time again, over and over again, every single day throughout your day. Mm. Does that make sense? Totally. I love this question. I love also asking um, the question that my mentor, Theo Swan, uh, says about self-love. Like, what would someone who loves themselves do in this situation? That's also another one Mm -hmm. that I absolutely love. And I love your question as well, because then when we wait for the answer, our heart, our superconscious mind, our intuition or soul, or whatever you want to call it, God, divinity, like universe, will answer this question. And when we answer this question and we give ourselves what we need, then the magic can happen because we are meeting our own needs that were not met in childhood experiences right now for ourselves. We are being the parent that we were lacking or the caregiver that we were lacking. And we can give ourselves the love and the worth, although you cannot really give anyone worth, but you can make someone feel worthy for sure uh, that we inherently are, but we just forget about it sometimes, (laughs) I feel. But yeah, I love your question and I love the practice and I love what you said about compassion as well. For me, it's about like allowing the emotion and accept the emotion because even when you look at the scale of consciousness of Dr. David Hawkins, you see that acceptance is above shame, guilt, fear, pride, and all the other lower vibration emotions. Whereas like it is a high vibration acceptance. So when you can accept the negative emotion, you're alchemizing it into a positive emotion because you're not resisting the resistance. So you're not feeling bad about yep. feeling bad. You're actually just allowing it to flow through you. And then this wall that we were talking about just dissolves, but it's a process. It's a layer after layer after like an onion, right? Where you're peeling, 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 peeling. Absolutely. And at some point you just feel like, you know, most of the time you feel good because I don't believe you can like, Maybe you can heal at some point in some life, like, you know, um, fully. But I do believe you're going to have still some triggers. And sometimes you might still doubt yourself or you might still not feel good enough. But it's going to happen less and less and less frequently the more healing work you do. Do you resonate with that? (laughs) I absolutely do. Um, Yeah, I, I always say that the goal is not to feel healed and feel like life is rainbows and butterflies all the time. It is a constant journey that we are on. And I don't think, I I don't think we ever necessarily escape that root of I am unworthy, right? We heal it over time. And like you said, it shows up less. And when it shows up, it's much more, much less emotionally heightened and we know how to move through it. But part of the human experience is that 
root of unworthiness, right? It's learning how to heal that. I think we're all just on this journey of learning how to feel worthy again. Like that is the human experience. Mm. And to keep going with, with what it means to feel worthy, I think, again, like I mentioned, that practice of compassion is first and foremost, right? We have to build that foundation in order to keep creating a relationship with your self-worth. I think another thing that's important to touch on is trusting yourself. Self-trust and self-worth are absolutely linked. If you do not trust yourself, it's going to be impossible for you to build a relationship where you feel worthy and you love yourself and you feel capable because you don't trust yourself. So I think looking at ways to build self-trust is also looking at ways to build self-worth. And I think that a very simple way to build self-trust is intention and celebration. So something as simple as setting one intention a day, right? Write down, I choose to blank. Fulfill that intention. It could be the smallest of things. It could be, I choose to drink a full glass of water before noon. It could be that simple, but you set the intention, you follow through on that intention and you celebrate the hell out of yourself for doing so. And that builds self-trust over time, right? It's the practice that you stay consistent with. Over time, that builds self-trust and that celebration piece is so important. Celebration builds momentum. It tells yourself, okay, yeah, like we're doing good. Let's keep going. Let's keep doing this. Mm, so like celebration is not only up. important yes exactly it, it's not only important to build momentum but it's also important to your self-worth right in order to feel worthy we have to be willing to celebrate ourselves we have to be willing to pause and be proud otherwise we're just chasing milestones right it's like well I gotta hit this goal and once I hit this goal I don't even care I just gotta hit the next goal and that is not a space of feeling really worthy, right? When you feel really worthy, you are able to slow down and celebrate yourself and feel proud. Mm, that's beautiful. And I would love to add to that also, I feel like to me, self-worth is a lot about self-love. And self-love is built when Absolutely. you really follow your heart, when you really follow what you truly want and your highest fulfillment rather than what your mind tells you that makes sense. Because like, and I also just uh, link it with all these high achievers that I worked with, right? Because they achieved so many amazing things, but still they did not feel worthy. So it's not about what you do. It's about how you feel and how you feel is connected mm -hmm. to your heart. So when you can tap into your heart, really breathe with it and ask it questions like, okay, what does my heart want to do right now? Or, you know, what does love want to create through me right now? Or things like that, just co connecting to your heart chakra and to the other um, divinity within you and just other, let's say, mm, messages that you can get, not from the mind, but from the super conscious mind, right? Um, not from the intellectual mind and conscious mind. And so for me, following my heart and what I really desire has been also building my self-trust, first of all, because I trusted my heart more and more. And then self-confidence and self-worth as well. Because like, if I just, you know, chip away all these patterns of thinking, okay, I have to look in a certain way to be worthy. I have to do certain things to be worthy. I have to do this and that. And then I just follow what my heart tells me my joy my fulfillment then it's like I just strip it all away and then I'm just like okay now we can live a life <laughs> I love that and I could not agree more like it doesn't have to be so serious right like what feels good in this moment how can I bring 
some small joy into my life? What can I do to make myself laugh? How can I feel good? It doesn't have to be so serious. We're allowed to keep it simple. It's allowed to be easy. Amazing. I absolutely love that. So this is a, a great part to finish our talk about self-worth in here. And I will ask you just one last little question for everyone who resonates with you a lot and they would like to follow you and continue the journey with you. What's the best way to find you? Yes, absolutely. Instagram. My Instagram handle is ty period gratitude. My business is called Thank You Gratitude. I'm a firm believer that gratitude is one of the most important tools we have to transform our lives. Uh, and yeah, shoot me a DM, follow me. And I love connecting with new people. Amazing. Thank you so, so much, Chelsea, for being with us. It's been such a great conversation. So inspiring for me and I'm sure for the others as well. So sending you much, much gratitude for today. <laughs> I feel it and I send it right back to you. It's been such a pleasure to connect. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much, beautiful souls, for being with us, listening to us. It's been such a pleasure to run this podcast and all the other podcasts for you as well. So stay with us. You can find this podcast on Spotify, YouTube, all other podcast platforms as well. And if you'd like to connect with me and learn more about manifestation tips and tricks and maybe get some coaching from me as well, you can find me on Instagram. My name is Carolina with K and then dot K-U-R-A-J. In Polish, it's Kuraj. People say Kuraj usually, so <laughs> that's classic. So you can find me on Instagram. And our podcast is on Instagram as well as We Are Soul Fan. So thanks a lot, my darlings. Have a wonderful rest of your day.